Welcome to Context for Christ here on this lovely Thursday. Hope you guys are doing well. This is the channel where we take scriptures that are taken out of context, put them back into context to give us a better understanding of the scriptures. Hope you guys are doing well. If this is your first time here. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, if you like this content, be sure to hit the like button and be sure to subscribe for more content and share this with your friends. Share this with people you, you may know who may who may like this content or who you believe needs to hear it um, so today is part two in this video series I'm doing on the voice of God where we're dealing with scriptures that are often taken out of context to teach that God still speaks in an audible voice today and let me just start out by telling you what this series is not this series that I'm doing is not to argue that God doesn't speak to us. I've already said in my last video that he does speak through his word. This is a series to basically point out that the verses or scriptures that are often used uh, to argue that God still speaks in an audible voice today, this series is to show that those verses or scriptures are not teaching that. So today we'll be dealing with 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 through 12. It says here, Then he said, which is God, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke into the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have heard sermons on this verse or heard maybe just seen videos here and there. Um, and you've probably been taught your whole life, if you're a Christian, you've been taught prob probably your whole life that God's voice is still, it's a, it's a small, soothing voice. God speaks in a still small voice or his Holy Spirit speaks in a still small voice. And what they are referencing is this verse here <clears throat> but that's not what this this uh, chapter is teaching and I hope to show that in this video <clears throat> excuse me so let's go ahead and start um, again I don't do a, a verse by verse uh, study or a verse by verse exegesis of passages I simply boil it down to as little as I can to basically give to still be able to give an overall overview of what the chapter is. So I will not be going verse by verse. I will be I will be dealing with these verses here in particular, which I may go verse by verse here, but I will not be doing a verse by verse study of the whole chapter. So basically to break it down, um, you know, Elijah escapes from Jezebel. So basically Jezebel hears of all the false prophets that Elijah killed. And so she sent a message to Elijah, basically telling him, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your life. And Elijah gets scared. He becomes fearful. And he, in his, cow in his cowardly attitude, runs away. He says he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba. And so he goes into, it says here in verse 4, he himself went a day's journey to the wilderness came and sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. So this, so 
this is this really just shows Elijah's fear of maybe not Jezebel in particular, but just the fact that she vowed to take his life. And he says, it is enough. Basically, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And verses 5 through 8 pretty much say that an angel of the Lord came to him, told him to rise and eat, and he ate bread that was baked on coals, and he drank a jar of water. And so he ate and drank, and he lay down again. And the angel, angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So Elijah arose, he ate, he drank, and this food and drink that he consumed gave him strength, as he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights, as far as Horeb, or Oreb, however, um, however you pronounce that, the mountain of God. And there, at, at uh, Mount Horeb, he went into a cave. So he went into a cave that was a part of the mountain, spent the night in that place. <clears throat> and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. So he runs away and he goes into hiding. And the Lord asks him, what are you doing here? And, he t and Elijah tells him. You know, he says he's been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. However, he says the children of Israel have forsaken the covenant of God. They've torn down the altars that God commanded them to build, and they killed the prophets that God sent to them. And he's the only prophet that, that's left alone, he says. And they, seek, and they seek to kill him now. So that's why he's afraid. He's afraid that the children of Israel are long gone, they're past repentance, and they're just going to kill him because they've killed every other prophet that the Lord sent to them. And that's where verse 11 comes into play. Here we go. <clears throat> then, then he, the Lord, he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke into the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire is still a small voice. Now I do want to say real quick that I am convinced that this still small voice is, was and is God, but not in the way you might think. Because I used to, I actually... I actually used to have, uh, I used to think that, um, at first I, I didn't think this still small voice was from God because the text doesn't say it was, and I didn't think there was anywhere in the context that um, showed it was, but after reading through it yesterday, very carefully, I'm now convinced that this still small voice was God, but not in the way some may think. I'll explain that in a bit. So it was, when Elijah heard it, Basically, he heard all this. He heard the voice. He heard the earthquake, the fire, uh, the strong wind breaking into the mountains. When Elijah heard, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, it's safe to conclude that what are you doing here, Elijah? And this voice that came to him was God because it's the same question that God asked him back up here in verse 9. Even though it says a voice came to him, but in verse 9 it says, the word of the Lord came to him. But here in verse 13, it says a voice came to him. But again, it's safe to conclude that the voice that came to him here in verse 13 was God because he asks him the same question and Elijah responds with the same answer. I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, 
took down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. So a couple things I want to point out here that I honestly did not even notice before until I read this yesterday um, very, very carefully. And there's some small details here that I think are very important to understanding this, uh, this passage. So in verse 11, God, tells, God says to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Now, after the Lord says this real quick, is there anything in the rest of verse 11 or 12 that indicates that Elijah did just that? God gives him a command. He says, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. You know, he was at Mount Horeb, but he was inside the cave. So he wasn't on, so he wasn't standing on the mountain uh, per se. He was inside the mountain. He was inside the cave. And God tells him to go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. But there's nothing here in verse 11 or 12 that indicates that Elijah did that. As a matter of fact, Elijah, Elijah doesn't even go out of the cave until verse 13. Until all this stuff happened, the strong wind comes, the mountains are, it tears into the mountains, breaks the rocks in pieces, um, then, then the earthquake, then the fire, then a still small voice. And then after all this happens, then Elijah comes out, but he doesn't even stand on the mountain. It says, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. It doesn't say he stood on the mountain. It says he stood in the entrance of the cave. So basically the entrance of the cave where, where, where like he entered into the cave, that's where he's standing, in the entrance of the cave. But he's not, he's not standing on the mountain before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. And he didn't, he, he, again, he didn't even move. He didn't even come out of the cave until verse 13, until after all this stuff happened. And I think that's very important. Why? Well, in verse 13, it says, a voice came to him. But in verse 12, it says, a, it says, there was a still small voice. Now, let me just say this. I do believe, as I, as I said, I believe that this still small voice was God but not because God chose to speak in a still small voice. I think the reason why, and um, this is, this isn't like, this is just my, my take on this. I mean, there could be many, many other takes on this, but just hear me out. I think the reason why the text describes this voice as still and small, or uh, some translations say a delicate whispering voice. I think the reason why it describes it as a still small voice is because I believe God was speaking outside the cave, not inside. Now I believe he's speaking outside the, inside the cave here because it's, it, 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 um, it shows what he said. It says, then he, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. When God said this in verse 11, Elijah was in the cave and we have a, we have a description here of what God said. But here, when it says a still small voice, there's no description of what was said. It just says there was a still small voice. So I'm convinced, again, this is just my opinion here, but I'm convinced that in verse 11, God was speaking inside the cave where Elijah could hear. But Elijah didn't go out on and stand on the mountain like the Lord told him to. And then in verse 12, I believe God is still speaking. But now he's speaking outside the cave. Why? Because he told Elijah to go out of the cave and stand on the mountain before the Lord. But Elijah didn't do that. And so 
I believe that this still small voice was God, but God was speaking outside the cave. And the reason why it's described as a still small voice is not because God chose to speak in that way. I think God was speaking audibly and clearly, but the reason why Elijah couldn't really hear it was because he was in the cave, but God was speaking outside the cave. Are you seeing what I'm saying now? Is are, I, I hope this is making sense. Again, there's no description here after what, uh, as to what was heard, what was said. It says, all it says is that there was a great wind, there was, um, there was an earthquake, there was a fire, and then after the fire, there was a still small voice, but there's no description of what was said after it. In verse 11, we have a description of what was said. In verse 13, it says a voice came to him, and then we have a description here of what, what was said. But in verse 12, there's no description of what was said. And again, I think the reason for that is because Elijah did not go out and did not go out of the cave and stand on the mountain before the Lord like God told him to. And so God was speaking outside of the cave in verse 12. But the reason why it's described as a still small voice is not because God was speaking in a still small voice, but because he was speaking outside the cave, but Elijah was still in the cave, he couldn't exactly hear him clearly. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So, just one more time. This voice, this still small voice, was God, but not because God was speaking in a still small voice. It's described as this way because, I believe, Elijah did not go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord like God commanded him to. He stayed inside, and God chose to speak outside the cave, but Elijah could not hear it. And so the writer of 1 Kings described it as a still small voice, gave no description of what was said because Elijah couldn't hear it clearly. And then he goes out of the cave and stands in the entrance of the cave, and then he's able to hear God. What are you doing here, Elijah? I hope that makes sense to you guys. And so Elijah tells him what he, why he's there, and he says the same thing as he does in verse 10. I've been zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I am alone left, and they seek to take my life. So again, Elijah is fearful. He's fearful, and then verse 15, Then the Lord said to him, So again, this right here, the Lord said to him, indicates that this voice up here in verse 13 was God, because he answered the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah answered why he was there. And then the Lord, and this is the Lord said to him, go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, I think, as king over Israel. And Elisha, not, not Elijah, but Elisha, the son of, of uh, Shaphat, or Shaphat, I don't know. I'm not good at pronouncing these names, as you can tell. Of Abel, you shall anoint Elisha as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hasiel, Jehu will kill. <clears throat> and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And so here we see Elijah's fearful because he, he's the only prophet left, he says. Because all the other prophets that God sent to Israel, they've been killed. And he thinks Israel is past repentance. Like they can't repent because they've turned away from the Lord. They've forsaken the covenant of God. But God tells him, very pretty much tells him, fear not. Go anoint Haziel as king. Go anoint Jehu as king over Israel. And go anoint Elisha as, as a prophet in your place. In, in your place. So basically God's telling El, uh, um, Elijah, 
give give Elisha your place as a prophet. So you won't be a prophet anymore, but give it to Elisha. He'll be the he'll he'll be the new prophet for Israel. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. In verse 18, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So this should have gave Elijah a lot of courage and a lot of, um, this should have, t- this should have taken the fear away because he's, again, he's fearful. He's scared that he's the only um, prophet that's left and they're seeking to kill him. Um, he thinks Israel has forsaken uh, God's covenant. They've turned down the altars. They killed all the prophets that God sent. But God tells him, he basically gives them a new prophet. He says, anoint Elisha as prophet in your place. So that's God choosing Elisha to be the new prophet. And Elijah thought he was the only one left. And then in verse 18, God says he reserved 7,000 uh, in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal and who have not kissed um, Baal, uh, every mouth that has not kissed Baal. Um, even, and even though Elijah, uh, Elijah thought that they had forsaken the covenant of God. And so what do we see here in what, in what we've read? I won't go through all this. Um, yeah, I, I won't go through all this because, because, not because I don't think it's important, not because I don't think it's relevant, but just because I've gotten through the main part of what I want to talk about. But what do we see here? What does this teach us about God? Well, it teaches us that God is merciful. You know, we know the history of Israel. We know that they broke the covenant of God many times. And here, Elijah is fearful because he says Israel has forsaken the covenant of God. They've killed all the prophets that God sent to, to it. And he's the, only, he's the only one left. But God says, God in his mercy, in his grace, in his love, tells the, and t- tells Elijah, go back to go back to the wilderness of Damascus, anoint Haziel as king over Syria, anoint Jehu as king over Israel, the king now, and anoint Elisha as prophet in your place. He'll be the new prophet. You're not the only one, Elijah, you're not the only one that's left. I decide who the prophets are. That's pretty much what God is saying. I decide who the prophets are. You're not the only one who's left. So go anoint Elisha as a prophet in your in your place. And I have reserved 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So go back. And this just shows the grace and mercy of God. Um, this should have been a great encouragement for um, uh, Elijah. Now the question is, is this passage teaching that God speaks in a still small voice and as i established earlier i believe that the still small voice was god but not because god was choosing to speak in a still small voice i actually think the opposite he was not speaking in a still small voice but it's described as this way because elijah did not go out of the cave like god told him to in verse 11. and so because god was speaking outside the cave and elijah was still in the cave it sounded like a still small voice because elijah couldn't hear him clearly then he goes out, and now he's finally able to hear what God is saying. What are you doing here, Elijah? So no, this isn't about, this isn't a teaching on um, on the Holy Spirit or God speaking to his children in a still small voice, okay? I think I've made it pretty clear that, that God was not speaking in a still small voice, but I've explained why it's described as this way. I hope you guys caught my point.
And so no, this is this passage or these verses are not about God speaking in a still small voice. They're not about there it's not a teaching on how God will speak to you or how God speaks to his children. We know from scriptures that God speaks to his children through the word. John 1 says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is the word? It's Christ. Because we know in uh, John 1 verse 14 it says the word became flesh. Who is that? That's Christ. And then in Hebrews 1 it says, in these last days God has spoken to us in his son, Jesus. His son Jesus is the word. It's the living word. And his word, the Bible, the Holy Bible, is living and active, as Hebrews says, sharper than a two-edged sword. And so that's it guys that's all i have for this thank you for tuning in thank you so much for watching again if you like this content hit the like button uh, please share this with your friends share it with those whom you think need to hear it share it with those who you think would like this content uh, please subscribe if you're not if you're not subscribed had a lot of fun doing this video um you know until next time um may the grace and peace of our lord jesus christ be with you all god bless